You know, the other thing we knew was critically important was broader organizational buy-in, right? Although the digital team kind of built and manages the app, for it to be successful, we need our marketing team, our product team, just as bought into the app as we are, because we need their support and the entire organization's support from a brand perspective to make it successful. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. I am so excited for today's episode. Today, we are sitting down with Adam Michaels, Chief Digital Officer of Crocs. And I don't know if you've been tracking the headlines at all, but Crocs has seen explosive growth over the past year. I'm sure they can thank work from home life for part of that, but make no mistake, Crocs is doing some incredible things with their digital strategy. In addition to its branded e-commerce site, they also have incredible retail partnerships, a stellar marketplace strategy that expands globally, and of course are doing some very innovative things with social, mobile, and more. It's a big conversation because we cover it. Adam, thanks so much for being on the show today. It is great to meet you. It's great to meet you as well. Thank you for, uh, for having me. I'm excited to be here. Honestly, the pleasure is all mine because you are Chief Digital Officer of Crocs. Such a fun brand. I know I have a few friends that are obsessed with their Crocs, but you're also doing some really exciting, incredible things in the retail world, some incredible growth and evolution of the brand. So needless to say, very excited to speak with you. To start, I always like to ask my guests, especially those in leadership roles, what the typical day in the life looks like. So what is it for you? I'm sure it's not the same every day, but you know, at a high level, what does your typical day in the life look like? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're right. I think there's probably, probably nothing typical about most things these days. But I think thematically, it's probably a combination of you know, my time being focused on strategy, I'd say governance and execution of that strategy, and then really kind of driving the digital point of view and direction across the organization. Our goal over the next five years is for digital to reach $2.5 billion in sales and represent 50% of Crocs total company sales. And so you know, for that to happen, it certainly requires a very clear strategy that's you know, well understood by the entire company. And then really that, that governance piece to ensure that we're executing against the strategy. And honestly, especially in the, the times that we live in, making the adjustments, the course corrections, the pivots we need to based on what we're seeing in the market. And then the last piece around kind of the digital point of view across the organization as you know, a traditional kind of branded retailer, for digital to be 50% of our company's sales, it also means fundamental shifts in other parts of our business, not just the digital team, whether that's finance, HR, IT. So it's really helping my partners and our cross-functional partners understand how they can support digital and what does it mean as the company goes through this transformation. And I'd say that's, you know, that's sort of perfect world, perfect day. And then you kind of mix in a, a few <laughs> fires here and there, supply chain issues how yesterday's promotion performed, et cetera. So there's always a good blend of that mixed in. That makes total sense. And I love how you called out how it's a combination of strategy, putting the strategy in place, but then 
ensuring everything is implemented and performs as it should. And if not making those adjustments, I think it's very much aligned with a lot of the other executives that we speak with and how they hope to operate their businesses and incredible goals in place, I think, for digital and how that impacts the way your business operates. Because obviously Crocs has its own branded properties, but you also have a network of retail partners and I think you're in marketplaces, right? So how does that kind of come into play when you think about the strategy and the governance and all of those moving pieces? Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. We definitely have kind of a broad digital ecosystem. And I think the greatest strengths of our brand is that we have a very broad democratic appeal, right? A very broad democratic customer base. And we really feel like our distribution should reflect that. And, you know, from a digital perspective, that means we have our owned and operated Crocs.com websites around the world, as well as third-party marketplaces. So like in Amazon, a Rakuten in Japan, a Coupang in Korea, Wildberries in Russia. And then we have our, what we call our wholesale e-tail partners, like a Zappos. So those are the partners that you know, buy from us as like a wholesale account, but they're essentially pure play e-tailers, right, with only digital distribution. So those are the three kind of core digital channels. And it's one of the things that years ago, we really realized that our customers, probably like you, don't shop in just any one of these channels alone. And we believe each one really plays a, a unique role in the consumer journey. And that could be you know, product discovery, research, purchase. And so we're really strategic about the role each one of these channels plays. And I think our, our real main focus is that Crocs.com will always be the best representation of our brand. It'll have the broadest assortment, great brand content. It's where you'll find the most exclusive and unique product, like our collaborations. And then our e-tailers and marketplaces honestly help us reach consumers we often don't serve through Crocs.com. And a lot of times offer consumer value propositions that we just don't, right? That might be a multi-branded environment where you're adding different products, different brands to your cart. It might be, you know, free two-day, free next day, free same-day delivery, things that we as a brand probably will not offer. And so we really think it's important that we we strategically partner with the channels that our customer is shopping in. I do think it's unique. You know, not, I will say not all brands follow that approach. And I think for us, it, it works for Crocs and works for our customers, but understandably, it may not be the approach all brands take. Very interesting. And Adam, I, I think what's most interesting about your response is that you really, I think, effectively highlighted the nuances of all of these different channels for the Crocs brand. And I'm sure there are some listeners right now that are maybe nodding their head in agreement as they think about their digital strategy. So you noted that the Crocs e-commerce site, Crocs.com, is kind of like the ultimate representation of the brand. It's where all the collaborations are. It's the full scope of product, which is great. And then you have the marketplaces and the retail partners that maybe have their own unique value adds to reach different customers. So if we were kind of to look at the broad scope of the customer base, right, including direct customers as well as the customers who come through retail partners. I mean, what does that journey typically look like? I mean, is there a typical journey? Like, would you say retailer sites and social are kind of like a legion vehicle to get people to the Croc site and then they keep going there? Like, I'm curious, I guess, how that nurturing process 
looks for your business and if you've noticed any trends, especially given the growth of Crocs and just the heightened, I I feel like, brand awareness and brand engagement around Crocs. Like, are you finding any shifts or trends in that particular area? It's a really interesting question. And it's definitely one that we've tried to sort of get to the root of. And I'd say there isn't a really clear cut path that we've identified that, you know, people use this channel for X, this for Y, and this is the impact on Crocs. I do think what's interesting is that if I look at a partner like Amazon, right, that I think in North America represents 40 plus percent, depending on where you read of the the North American e-commerce business, I've seen statistics that say, you know, 50% or more product searches are starting on Amazon. So I think more and more consumers, their default, I know I need a classic croc, right? Our classic clog in white. I go to Amazon. Like I just, I start my search there for a lot of our core product. It's called the basics. And I do think Amazon does that really well. I also think there's a large portion of our consumer base that actually want to buy from the brand. They want to interact with the brand. They do want to see what's new. They already own a pair of white and black classics. They want to see the the new designs, the new graphics, the new patterns. And so I do think the reason they shop across these channels is unique. And look, I think a lot of times it does come down to some of the basics, like, are you in stock, right? And I think that we put a lot of emphasis on that execution piece because I think the best thing we can do for our customers is have the product they want in the size and color they want when they're looking. Right? And that actually takes an incredible amount of work, especially when you think about inventory spread across three different channels plus retail and wholesale. So yeah, there isn't a clear cut reason. I think they each play a different role. And I think you're right. Things like social and we've recently launched an app all start to play into this overall ecosystem and, and how consumers engage with our brand. And I think each point of, of digital touch points, physical touch point plays a unique role. And we certainly are investing in capabilities to better understand that journey as time goes on. Yeah. It's really interesting to see all of the different possible paths depending on the brand and what their digital strategy or sales strategy looks like, the scope of their partners, because there could be so many different elements at play and it's all unique to that specific shopper. So looking at partner channels and even marketplaces specifically, I'm curious if you were to kind of reflect on the success or the performance of 2021 in particular, and maybe your priorities for the next year, have there been any partner channels or even tactics that have been especially valuable for Crocs that you may be wanting to determine like how you can double down on those? Like I'm curious, like if say marketplaces, for instance, have really risen to the top for the Crocs brand. Yeah, I think from a global perspective, yes. And I think when I think back a few years ago, we made a decision to really expand our marketplace footprint globally. And so I'd say, call it from 2019 and 2020, we launched on over a dozen marketplaces around the world, whether that's in India, Russia, Singapore, Japan, Korea. And I think a lot of that work that we did, even starting actually in 2018, a lot of the work in those years built a foundation that as the consumers continue to migrate, and in some of these markets, like at China, you know, marketplaces represent the majority of B2C e-commerce sales, right? And most of it's not happening in China through a branded website. So really setting up that infrastructure to make that possible. And I think we're really reaping the rewards of those investments now. And really, as we think about global marketplaces, it really is about scale, understanding our local teams, understanding the nuances, right, of each marketplace, who their consumer is, how they operate, and how best to be successful on that platform. So I do think in general, that has definitely been valuable for us. 
And look, I think certainly Crocs.com will continue to be our main focus. And I do think the investments we've made there through mobile, digital payments, our collaboration experience, really just improving the overall consumer experience on Crocs.com has been probably our number one priority. But those marketplaces and our e-tail partners are close second and third. And I think we are starting to see some, some real interesting things in the digital payment space, both here in the U.S., but also globally. Right, as, especially our younger demographic of consumer is looking for things other than just credit cards as payment methods. And so we've had some really good success in this past year, 2021, with Afterpay, who's been a phenomenal partner for us in the installment payment space. And I'd say that's been a, I won't say a surprise, but certainly performed better than we might have thought based on our average order value in ASPs compared to, say, some other high value products when we think about installment payments. But it's been a, a real kind of win for us over the past year. And we're looking to expand that globally in other markets as well. Ooh, that's very interesting. All right, excellent. So I love your point about the global marketplace realm and kind of the the differences between each, because I do find it interesting that depending on the marketplace you're on, the features are a little bit different, the content offerings are a little bit different, and, and I'm always finding it interesting like how the brand's content strategy and the information they provide to customers could vary slightly. So I thought that was a very interesting point, but you mentioned Crocs and how that's the top priority for the business. But I mean, branching off of that, I mean, what else is part of the Crocs branded universe? What else are you prioritizing? Is it mobile? Is it social? Or are you really just site experience all the way and figuring out ways to, to level that up a couple of notches, so to speak? Yeah, the answer is that it's probably yes and, right? All of those things. um, (laughs) I like those answers. Tell me more. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think, look, certainly Crocs.com, mobile. We've been mobile first for for years at this point. And really, that is how most consumers who come to Crocs.com, they're experiencing us through their phone, like other brands. And so that's been something that even small things years ago, when you're reviewing creative, right? We stopped looking at any kind of desktop version, right? I only wanted to see the mobile layout of any experience that we did. So that's, I think at this point, it's mobile first, but we're, it's so ingrained now in how we operate that we don't even think about it that way. But to your point, I think, you know, social is becoming critically important, especially as I think about social commerce and how these social, these channels and these platforms are continuing to evolve their commerce capabilities, right? And transacting on their platforms. So moving from just a lead generation and driving traffic to Crocs, those transactions actually occurring on those platforms. And we certainly see it in the US, but we're looking at WeChat in China and that ecosystem and a lot of our markets line in Japan. So social and social commerce is definitely an investment area for us. And then this just not too long ago, toward the end of last year, we launched an app, which first time we've done that, certainly not something new for many brands, but it was new for Crocs. And I think as we go forward, that will be a kind of a key digital touch point for us that we'll be investing in considerably over the next few years. All right. So I do want to dig into the mobile app a little bit because for as long as we've been covering apps, there has always been the conversation around what makes a good app and should we do app or should we just have a really great mobile site? And the debate rages on, as they say. So why an app now? And why did you decide, or how did you decide, I guess is the better question, that it was important or even valuable for the Crocs brand and most of all the Crocs customer? It's, 
again, that's a, I've been with Crocs now. It'll be nine years this spring. And I would say the app conversation has come up every year. <laughs> and <Right. laughs> every year until last year, really, the answer was no. It just didn't make sense for us and our customer and our brand at that time. And I think a few things have changed over the past few years. Certainly just the brand and how it resonates with consumers, right? We're in a, an incredible period right now of brand growth where, to be honest, nine years ago, we just weren't. And I think at the core of it, right, for an app to be successful, there has to be some level of A, stickiness, right? And B, a reason to use it other than just commerce. And for years, we really struggled with that piece, right? If you look at your phone and you just swipe, right? I'm sure like, like most people, dozens of apps on their phone. And as I look through mine, there are dozens here that I probably haven't opened in six months, maybe even a year. So first and foremost, for us, it had to be more than just commercial. If it's only going to be a transaction, then we had the mobile version of Crocs.com and that's fine. And I think what's really changed for us is, is a few things. One, as the brand simply has grown, I think it, it offers us an opportunity to have more direct conversations with our consumers. And we can maybe talk about it later too, this idea of kind of first party and zero party data and what's happening in the marketing space with third party data. So one, I think it's a critical touch point in sort of the convergence of our, our digital and physical environments. I also think you know, as a brand, we've really focused on this idea of collaborations. And we've done some really exciting ones with Post Malone and Justin Bieber and KFC and and the kind of list goes on and we have more planned. And we really thought, wow, if we had an app, one, it's a real reason, right, for someone to want to download the Crocs app if we have an app exclusive collaboration, right? There's a real reason to access some really unique product through the app if it's only available on the app. So we thought we had a real reason for that. And then another piece is this idea of personalization. And what I mean by that is not necessarily consumer journey personalization, although that's important, but product personalization through our gibbets, which essentially are those charms that you put on the shoes and the holes of our shoes. And it's a really incredible opportunity for you know consumers to sort of have personal expression, to really customize their footwear in a way that really isn't possible with almost any other footwear brand. And we thought the app also now gives us some really unique capabilities that we're going to be rolling out around virtual reality, augmented reality with gibbets and how they interact with your feet, how they, how you might interact with other fans of Crocs with gibbets through the app. So I think we have kind of a confluence of things happening that really made that app important for us. And again, something we think will actually provide value to the customer, not just because we thought it would be cool to do an app. Um and so we are, I think we're really pleased with what we've seen so far um, in terms of engagement and how people are using it. We've got a pretty robust roadmap this year that it will be focused on that experience, right? And making it a unique one and things and content that you may not find on crocs.com. And I think that'll be the real differentiator is that that experience has to be unique and different enough from your own website. Otherwise, people just won't use it. Yeah, I think you're totally spot on. There was a phrase someone in the mobile space used to say way back when, I'm dating myself probably, um, the phrase mobile roadkill. Like you download the app and it's just sitting there like 100%. And then when the little cloud shows up, that means like you're definitely not using it and like you may need to like re-download it. I think it just like really calls out the line between the haves and the have-nots in terms of the app experience. And I think your, your idea of using it as a vehicle to announce and engage with those products product drops is 
genius because like we've seen it done on like Instagram, but like timing is of the essence with these things, right? So like if you're not going to social at that specific time, you're possibly isolating very loyal customers that like possibly were just like not looking at things at the right time or, you know, focusing on the right things and having it be centralized to the app, I think is a great way to keep the brand front and center and also have that timeliness and that direct communication, like you were saying. So people feel like they're in on it, right? Like it's exclusive, but it's still accessible, which I think is key. Yes. hundred percent. Those push notifications yeah, you're right, are critical from a timeliness perspective with our customers. And there's true value in that, right? It isn't just a push communication with a promotional offer or a sale. It's it's something that that consumer has opted into and it's real value. Like, don't miss the drop. Like they do want to know about that. And listen, the other thing I'd probably say too is people are listening if they're, you know, contemplating an app at this stage. You know, the other thing we knew was critically important was broader organizational buy-in. Right. Although the digital team kind of built and manages the app, for it to be successful, we need our marketing team, our product team, just as bought into the app as we are, because we need their support and the entire organization's support from a brand perspective to make it successful. And oftentimes, whether it's an app and sometimes other things that the digital team pushes forward, they alone can't drive its success. It really has to be something that the organization is behind. And so I would say, you know, make sure that you have that organizational buy-in because it will be critical to the long-term success. Otherwise, to your point, you end up with a little download arrow and it kind of dies on a vine after, you know, (laughs) 12 months. Yeah. No, I think that's a really great point and a really great takeaway for our listeners. But I mean, this is kind of a natural evolution around our conversation of personalization, around customer centricity. So you mentioned the app and exploration of AR and VR within that experience. How else are you looking at personalization, trying to make that customer centricity a reality within your business? And I guess not just for the app specifically, the entire digital ecosystem. I know this is a very big question. So I guess any call outs around your strategy and your priorities and how you look at it within Crocs, because I feel like it could be so many different things. You're absolutely right. And that's one of the challenges, right, is that the space of sort of personalization and consumer personalization and journey personalization can be incredibly broad. And it can also allow you to go down kind of rabbit holes, right? Where you're all of a sudden personalizing experiences for truly one-to-one, which can be hard to do. I think what we're really focused on is who our core consumer is. So it starts with understanding our customer, right? So investing in, I'd say, both the the technology from a data perspective. And over the past year, we've made a lot of investments in BI with a Microsoft platform to get all of our digital data points, which are dozens and dozens, right? Across whether it's our own sites, it's Facebook, it's Instagram, like we're collecting data from so many different places. So aggregating that all into a, into a BI tool was a really big step for us to make sure we had access to that data to understand it across all these different platforms and touch points in that full consumer journey. And then investing in the people, right? The, the people and the analysts that can help us understand that data and actually use it and turn it into action. So I think there's probably two parts. One is the infrastructure investment just to let us get the data consolidated so we can actually understand it. And then more on the consumer side, the investments in the technologies that, whether it's content, email, we use a company called BlueCore, but how we create the, the tools that allow us to actually create unique experiences for those customer groups. We know that, hey, if you bought a, a clog, most likely your next purchase is going to be a sandal. So how do we create customized experiences around that? 
So it continues to be an investment for us. Again, I think one of the challenges actually is is actually content development, right? Because if we have so many different unique customers and experiences, it puts a lot of burden on the content and marketing the creation team. So we're also trying to be mindful of just how one-to-one we get and how do we create things that are much more probably dynamic, right? Dynamic creative, dynamic content where we create a template and then based on what bucket a consumer falls in, we're dynamically putting different assets in those emails. So really finding ways to automate this process because I think that's really what will help make it successful over time. But listen, at the end of the day, we definitely see it, right? When we tell, and this is not anything new from a marketing perspective, but the right message, the right audience, the right time, like that never gets old. And we have to continue to find ways to, in today's world with so many new technologies that allow us to do that, really focusing on the ones that matter. And again, the ones that matter to our customers and what's really important for them. Yeah. Definitely. And I'm glad you brought up the content creation side because it does have a ripple effect, right? Like you could want to test out and be present on all of these different channels and all of these different platforms, but there are bandwidth implications of that. There are creative implications of that. And like, how do you ensure that you're in all of these places, but in a way that is aligned to the brand and the creative and what you want to put out into the world, because it definitely does make a difference. That's definitely something that I've been hearing a lot more. Like I feel like historically when we talked about marketing, it was very much surface level stuff like around channel mix and messaging mix. But now we're getting into the deep, deep levels of the content and the creative and like, how do you tweak design and how do you tweak the message? for the specific persona or the specific audience. And this is where the exciting stuff is, right? Like this is where the data really comes in and it enriches the experience. So, I mean, everybody's been talking about the data conversation, right? Like the shift to zero and first party data. And it seems like just judging on our conversation thus far, you guys are gathering this first party insight in a lot of ways, which is great. But is there anything that's like on top of your priority list? Like, how are you thinking about getting the data you need to support your digital goals, especially like that zero party area, right? Because I think that's, for me, that's very interesting, like how you get that buy-in and that raising of the hand, so to speak. Yeah, it's interesting. So we have our loyalty program that we call Crocs Club. And we've recently gone through sort of a sort of global rehaul and expansion of that program that is really focused on customer retention. So recency, frequency, those types of things. And part of that, you know, we, we are building out what I'll call our preference center, right? So consumers can, again, raise their hand and tell us more about them, whether it's the products they're interested in, how often they want to hear from us, how they want to hear from us, right? Is it through email or is it SMS, right? Like, how do they want to engage with the brand? And I do think there's an incredible amount of value in that, especially as it relates to sort of communication preferences and better understanding the best ways to interact with our consumer. But I also feel that that first party sort of behavioral data is just so important because I often find that what a customer tells you they want or will do is oftentimes different than what they actually do, right? So being able to understand that where that difference is and really using that behavioral data to help draw conclusions as well, which again, as we think about AI and and machine learning and helping us do that because the sheer quantity of the data, the number of touch points, what emails they're opening, which ones they're not, which ones they open and click, which ones they don't, the product that they 
look at and they're look to book. Do they look at it and add to their cart and do they buy it? There's so much going on that there's, there's no way we as an individual can kind of really assess and use that data. But if we can leverage AI machine learning, we go from, and this is one of our goals, you kind of mentioned data in general, is moving from what I'll call prescriptive analytics in terms of, hey, this is what happened to predictive. This is what's going to happen in the future. And I think a lot of companies are probably at that point where we've got great data that can describe what has happened in the past. Hey, this is why conversion was up or down. This is why traffic was up or down. But then how do we take all those, that behavioral, that consumer data to help be more predictive and prescriptive about what's going to happen in the future is really where we have a lot of our team focused on because it allows us to certainly maybe not stay ahead of our customer, but certainly keep pace with them is really important. Yeah, very fascinating. So we're coming up at the end of our conversation, Adam, but I always try to take some time to reflect with my guests about their past successes, their lessons learned, and of course, get into some takeaways and best practices. Our goal is to always add that layer of key considerations and takeaways for our listeners. But first, let's talk about all of the success that Crocs has seen, especially over the past year. You've noted the incredible collaboration the digital innovation. You've even expanded into new categories, into sandals, which is super exciting. What have been the key high points for you as CDO and how do they serve as inspiration as you kind of work your way through 2022 and go through that strategy and that governance and everything in between? Oh, that's a great question. It's probably a, it's probably a long answer. I'll try to pick a few things. I mean, from my perspective, in terms of just kind of inspiration and kind of excitement. It's really just how our consumers are responding to the brand, to these collaborations. It just, you know, like I said, I've been here nine years and I continue to be amazed at the passion our customers have for this brand. It still is a polarizing brand. We still have our fair share of detractors, but we have so many more passionate fans. And when I look at other kind of casual footwear brands, I do not see that same type of passion right, for the brand itself. And so to me, that's really what's exciting. And I think that goes back to, as I think about sort of a key takeaway, this idea of really understanding your customer and what they really need and want from you is critically important and has been for us. And this idea of, I'd say, you know, relentless execution on the things that really matter. And if you get those right, then you have incredible success. And I think the other thing is I think about our digital team, right? And what's been driving our success and what gets me excited about the future is really the culture that we're building in this idea that for us to achieve our ambitions, right? Of two and a half billion in digital sales, 50% of company revenue, we have to continue to challenge the status quo. And I, I don't know exactly what we have to do in the years 23 or 24 or 25, but I do know it'll be different than probably it is today. And so really building out a, a mindset right? That allows us to be nimble, to pivot, and to constantly ask, how might we do things differently, right? Is the exciting piece. And and really knowing that we have a a leadership team, a board of directors, and a broader company that is completely supportive. And what we're trying to do is really exciting. Yeah, that culture piece simply cannot be overlooked, especially if you're trying to encourage the testing of new messaging, new experiences, new apps, new partnerships, right? Like there are so many 
possible ways that brands can innovate today, but I think having that foundation is so important. And I know as someone who studies the space and also is a consumer, obviously we all are, I have loved seeing all of the ways Crux has challenged the status quo and has found unlikely partnerships or ones that you think are kind of outside the box, but then you're like, oh wait, that actually does make a lot of sense. I know I have a friend who used to be in retail and now she's still in tech and she's always sending me stuff from you guys because she's such an avid fan and she loves from a creative standpoint, the work that you do. So I think that's really testament to a lot of the work that you've done as part of Crocs leadership. But, you know, thinking about the future, you noted the fun part is always challenging the status quo and looking for new opportunities. So are there any tech trends or things that are kind of on the verge that you're excited to test out or see what the opportunities are for Crocs. I always love hearing, you know, how the folks that are in the driver's seat, so to speak, are looking at new trends and figuring out what to move forward with. Yeah, I think probably, you know, in addition to the ones that we've already touched on around, you know, the app and VR and and things, I do think it is kind of fascinating what's happening in, call it the, the metaverse space and with NFTs. And I think that's an area for Crocs that we're, we're sort of starting to go down the path to understand it better. And really, again, we're, we are a digitally led brand. And so we want to be where our fans are, where our customers are. And we start to see the metaverse and NFTs becoming increasingly a part of that, of that mix. And so soon we'll be launching a campaign in the metaverse through a partnership with a Paris-based fashion brand called Egon Lab. And so we'll have five exclusive NFTs that we'll be auctioning off. And what will be interesting for us, again, in this space a little bit, is that the proceeds are going to be benefiting associations that make access to technology available to underserved youth. So again, I think about as a democratic brand and ensuring that we're reaching a broad set of consumer base, I think that's something really interesting. So I think we'll learn a lot from it. And that's definitely a space that as we go forward, I think we think about our collaborations, how do we maybe pair digital products like an NFT with a physical product? So I think we'll have some learnings there and that kind of gets me excited too to test some new things that in the past maybe we wouldn't have done but are starting to do now. Yeah, that is so exciting. I didn't want to I didn't want to be presumptuous, but I was going to say NFTs would be so fun for you guys. So it's really exciting to hear that that's top of mind for you all and, and the charitable component is is definitely interesting, especially as you think about like the opportunity for NFTs and a way to collaborate with people in a more creative way and in a more tactile way, so to speak. So very exciting. Adam, this has been such a fascinating conversation. There are so many layers to the work Work that you do every day, so many fun components of a digital strategy, and of course, so many trends to dig into. And Crocs, again, has been doing some incredible things, so I can't wait to see what's in store for the future. But to close out, given the breadth and depth of work you do, given everything that Crocs has accomplished, I would love it if you could like distill a few key learnings or even tips and takeaways for our audience. Again, largely folks in your shoes, maybe a few layers below, maybe director level or so that are looking for new ideas and new things to explore as digital leaders. So any closing takeaways or best practices for them? Yeah, I guess maybe in addition to kind of what we've already touched on, I'd say it comes back to the test and learn and innovation, right? Don't be afraid to take some risks and to try some new things because that's ultimately how we'll advance the business the brand, the team, we have to do that. So regardless of the level that you're at, look for ways to 
to try something new, to kind of break outside the norm and really ask the question, how might we do that differently, right? Why do we do it this way? And, and take a few chances because I guarantee, again, certain things will stay the same and guarantee that some things will not. And I think as you know, you think about career evolution and moving up, I think making some, some small tests and then as you go on, so maybe some bolder decisions, but definitely challenge the status quo is probably the biggest piece of advice I can give and be proactive in that and look for opportunities. Don't wait for them to come to you because oftentimes they won't. You have to make your own sometimes and testing and learning is a great way to do that. A hundred percent. Well, Adam, it has been a real pleasure getting to chat with you. Appreciate your transparency and digging into all of these topics with me. It was great to meet you. Yeah, likewise. I appreciate the time and uh, hopefully we can chat again soon and we'll keep you updated on our progress here. Awesome. Definitely looking forward to that. And to all of you listening, if you have any follow-up questions or comments for us after listening to this episode, we would love to hear from you. Drop us a line on Twitter at our touchpoints or on LinkedIn at Retail Touchpoints. We consider the pod as part of our much broader community, so let's keep that conversation going. And if you like what you heard today, encourage you to go to your preferred podcast player. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and elsewhere. So leave us a comment, leave us a review. We would love to hear what you think and would love to get the word out to other listeners. Thanks again, everyone for joining us and we'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.